0: Welcome back to week two of somewhat decent reviews. We are your hosts, Molly and Laura. We got a bunch of somewhat decent reviews coming at you again this week. Um, we promise them this time we'll be slightly more organized.
1: <laughs> I mean, we're not going to make any, I don't want to make any promises about that, but we'll yeah, make yeah. some hopes. We're going to
0: set some intentions and you know what? Ah, on a on intention. a Monday, that's all you can do. We don't usually record Oof. on Mondays. Yeah, in fact, we don't usually record. So we don't usually do working, anything. We're still working out the kinks of a schedule.
1: Today I was uh, at work, and every Sunday night I always, no matter what time, I try to squeeze a couple extra hours out of my weekend. And mm. when I really shouldn't, you know, because I'm just like, oh, it's Sunday, like I. I'm just not ready to like stop Mm -hmm. the action of like, you know, hanging out. And so it'll be like 11 and I usually go to bed at like 10 or 1030. It'll be like 11. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can, I can squeeze in like one more thing. I can do one. I can just like stay up for a little bit longer. And then I always, every Monday, I regret it every. Oh yeah, totally.
0: Because Mondays are exhausting in and of themselves, but this is why we are on team four day work week. Anyways, here we go. How are you?
1: Here we go. Monday. I'm
0: doing pretty good. You know, I was able to get in some really good media this week. Ooh, what'd yeah. you listen to? So I was listening to a few different podcasts this week. After last week, I do stand by my statement that I'm kind of an episode person, but I still, I can get into a series if it's really good and it's about stuff that I'm interested in. And one of those that I do like multiple episodes from is the emergence podcast. And this is a podcast that is, connected to the magazine so there's a magazine the Emergence magazine and this podcast is basically just interviews um authors reading essays they've written uh conversations um and what they say is that they're they're talking about threads connecting ecology, culture and spirituality and i just yeah. really like that because i like you know i worked on a farm a lot when i was um in college and really enjoy talking about agriculture, ecology, tending with the earth as i think you do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this, this week's episode is called from dirt and it's, um, Camille Dungy and she just kind of reflects on the journey of seeds and how, you know kind of in our present mindset we have such a disconnect from our food we see a squash and we think oh that squash was brought to the supermarket from a farm or something but maybe that's where our mind ends and then maybe some of us think oh that that squash was grown in this certain location Um, But that's as far as it goes. But Hmm. what Camille is talking about in this essay is actually thinking about, well, where did that seed come from? But then where did that seed really come from? A lot of the seeds, a lot of the food that we eat regularly today is not indigenous to this place Mm -hmm. and this land and was in fact brought over kind of just makes you connect a little bit with the way things are grown and tending to the earth and how important it is and
1: stewardship I believe they call that land
0: stewardship
1: I just really like the word steward too
0: this episode's only like 16 minutes so it's really quick I kind of like one of my favorite things is to just walk around the block and listen to a podcast. So if you're like interested in a little, you know, 15, 20 minute jaunt around the neighborhood, pop Mm -hmm. this podcast on, have the podcast on and just take care of you. Just take care of you (laughs) Do listen to this week. Last week was um, Martin Luther
1: King Jr. Day, and I was just kind of scrolling through podcasts and I found uh, I'm a big history buff, Um, usually through line is my favorite history slash culture podcast, but saw this podcast called the MLK tapes, um, and I put it on. And it's a six part series that was made by this guy, William Kleber, however you say that. Um, He's made a couple other, like, pretty notable true crime history pods that I haven't listened to, but um, all the rage, you know, a podcaster. And historian. And um, this one is really fascinating to me because from a historical standpoint and also from a cultural standpoint, because it's, you know, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. is like talked about, but it's kind of like a, in a lot of people's minds, a closed case of like, you know, this guy, James Earl Ray, who did it and went to jail and lived his entire life in jail after doing it. And, you know, it's really sad and we know how it happened, but we don't know really much most people don't know other details about it and this series is um basically a bunch of tapes that were recorded that were tapes of the trial uh tapes wow. of uh interviews with bystanders over the years um that were at the scene um and it's very illuminating i also am slightly into conspiracy theories uh not like heavy uh don't go on forums or anything like but that i'm entertain. not on reddit but Um, yeah, I will, I will entertain, especially if it's a leftist, uh, as Jenna calls them from one of our other favorite podcasts, date card, a leftist Mm cuck theory. I love that. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really interesting because everything from this podcast interviews has interviews with a ton of people who were close to MLK, who were lawyers on the case, who were, uh, bystanders or first responders to the crime scene, Mm -hmm. um. And, you know, it's a really, obviously a sad case, but what's really fascinating and terrifying about it is that there are conspiracy theories that the government killed him, which I have always been like, it wasn't, I've always questioned the, the, the idea that it was one guy acting on his own. Like that just never, I was just like, even when I was learning about it as a kid, I was like, what? No, you know, like that, that's just not, that just couldn't,
0: I don't know. So then, yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and so this podcast kind of goes into depth about like, yeah, it it wasn't just this one guy. It wasn't this guy working on his own, this lone wolf, as they call it, call it guy. It was actually like all these people, all these weird shit, all these weird things happened um, in conjunction with this assassination. Everything from black firemen who were first responders to the scene being redirected elsewhere to... Wow to a Black lawyer who was supposed to work on the trial, getting booted off the trial and uh, reassigned, to uh, there's a bunch of weird, weird shit that went down in and around this trial and this assassination. And um, so I just started it and um, it's already pretty interesting. Um, The guy's voice, the podcaster is not like, you know, nothing to write home about. He's got kind of like a fuddy duddy white, white dude voice, but, um, you know, he's like a little, maybe a little older, I don't know. Uh, but really, really interesting content. And, um, I think good for people to learn about that, the real history of that
0: there's it's, it's not surprising at all to me with just how obviously whitewashed all history lessons are in public schools and have been through history. They pick and choose what they want to share and what they want to teach. And exactly. um, all of the facts are left out because yeah. what picture are they trying to paint? You know, it's, right. it's really frustrating. So yeah,
1: so you you the more you dig, dig into history, it. yeah, the more you the dig into history, see, the more
0: oh my gosh, the more you're up, horrified. Up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that note uh no jeez right okay well so those are a couple of podcasts for you emergent podcast is really just kind of like nature and has different people every week and then it sounds like the mlk tapes is more of a short series so yeah different ideas to get involved with what kinds of um music we listen to?
1: oh music let's see um i've had this album on repeat pretty much for the past like i don't know four or five months but I it's um camp which I'm yeah we yeah. have listened to a lot together but also love just them. I'm, I'm just obsessed with them right now I'm going through a camp phase you know I'm just like don't bother me I'm listening to camp don't. um and then his voice uh so yeah a little background on camp they're from Ohio childhood besties that then grew up and decided to have a band um the thing that I like about camp is their songwriting. Uh, I like that they have a banjo cause I like banjo and mm-hmm. also they're kind of like, I guess, Americana folk rock. I don't really know how to really. describe them a little more rockin' than like folky, uh, which is what I like. Yeah. Um, and, uh, one of the things I love about camp is the lead singer. Uh, his voice is like amazing. It's just mm-hmm. like this raspy ass, like fucking luscious, raspy yeah. rasp of With- a voice.
0: He's got such a good tonal quality though. When mm-hmm. when I think of Camp, what comes to mind similarly are bands like Trampled by Turtles or mm. Green Sky Bluegrass, who I think those bands are maybe a little bit more um bluegrassy, definitely towards more like folky bluegrass, obviously. Yeah. But camp, it really does take a lot of influence by that. But also camp, it's just their songwriting capabilities. So are good. beautiful. They're, writing poems, putting them to music. So I think the musicality is amazing. And then top it off with just really his voice. powerful yeah. lyrics and his voice. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're really great. I yeah.
1: And he has a really interesting voice too. I mean, not to just go on and on about his voice, but just one more thing about his voice is that it's, it's kind of, it's quite high Higher register, but still super rasp and mm-hmm. amazing. Um, yeah, their album mm-hmm. "By and By" is what I'm listening to, but I've also listened to their first album "Camp." Um, it's C A A M P, not one A, but two Double A. Double A. A, double A. A. Yeah. Um, That's I don't know what accent that was, but we're not <laughs> gonna B. dwell on it.
0: I I have been listening to some kind of Americana <laughs> as well this week, which you wouldn't know by the name of the artist that I kind of chose to review this week. Um, her name is Aifa O'Donovan.
1: Aifa, so, a nice Aifa. Irish class.
0: Will we ever not talk about Ireland in a podcast? God, let's,
1: I don't know if we should find out.
0: So Aifa O'Donovan, she's an Irish American. So she's not just Irish, you know, Irish American. And her album Age of Apathy just came out in 2022. Um, she's most famous for a member of the band the uh, crooked stills which i don't know if you've heard of them Mm -hmm. they're also kind of like a folky americana type band really good um but this is her solo album yeah she's an amazing songwriter this the whole album is really good it does work together as one like cohesive unit listening to it all the way through um there's like enough diversity among the songs but they you can tell they're all part of the same um overall painting. So hmm. you, like, so to speak, right. Different strokes, nice. one painting, um, different colors, one painting. So her voice is really awesome. She really reminds me of like the indigo girls in a lot of ways. Like oh. I wished I, there was some harmonies on some of these songs cause it just was like bringing me back. And, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's really good. I think it's really beautiful. She, um, it's a great album. I highly recommend it. It doesn't take too long. I think it's like 10 songs. Um, yeah. going to give yeah. her a listen, give her a listen. You know, she's a Grammy award winning songwriter. So oh, she got a Grammy. She's got a Grammy up on her. Um, bookshelf probably but
1: where do i would just i mean i guess most artists probably keep their their grammys or their oscars on a book or their awards in general on a bookshelf but like i just would like to be i would just like to get like a full like a a world tour of uh right award locations,
0: you know, I bet it depends on how many, I think people like, I don't know, like Beyonce, 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 she has to have like probably a a large shelf that is dedicated only to the words that she has deservingly won. Right. For those,
1: those those mere, uh, plebeians with, uh, yeah, those single, single time winners, like what else do they have on the shelf? Do they have books? Do they have is it just the the whole shelf is just their Grammy or their Oscar or their sad juor, Sag award SAG award? Or is my it Grammy like me
0: right up next to my um my mental health books
1: <laughs> as a reminder?
0: Today here, look at this Grammy that you won one time. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about some books, the book that I've been reading where the main character is a really incredibly endearing character who when his life is described it's surprising that he does not have depression because his life sounds pretty like mundane. You know, he works in,
1: you know, a chipper dude. Who's like,
0: should have depression, but but like
1: oblivious and doesn't.
0: He's like, I'm totally alone. I have nobody, but my cat. And I work in a basement office every single day. And, uh, nobody knows my name. but I'm doing God. well. I'm like, all right, you go, dude. So the book wow. that I'm reading is called House in the Cerulean Sea. It's written by TJ Klein or clune, Sorry, TJ clune. He um, is a queer author. So the book is definitely pretty queer, um, but oh. it's not like the main focus of the book, which I think is great, right? We want queer identity and queerness just in media period, all over the place doing yeah. whatever anybody else would be doing. So in this book, he's uh, just an average dude. He works for um, an office called the um, department in charge of magical youth. So it's a magical realist book. There are certain people who have magical powers and certain people who do not muggles versus wizards uh, so to speak in Harry Potter terms, if we're going to get that. So he basically, he works for this office and then he is put in charge of a very um, high profile uh, secret assignment where he has to go to this island out in the cerulean sea <clears throat> mm, to the title that sounds thing. nice yeah so he goes out to this island where this orphanage is and he has to evaluate whether or not this orphanage is safe enough for these kids to be staying there um but what he what this whole book is kind of a commentary on is that he just keeps his head down does his job does what he's told and doesn't ever question anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's just like a rules and regulations guy. He goes, he does his job, makes his report. And then it doesn't matter what happens afterwards. You know, he goes to this island, he meets these kids and he realizes, oh, wow, actually I have, I can have relationships with these people and I can get to know them and build friendships. And then I do actually genuinely care about them and care what happens to them after I leave here and make this report. Um, I'm not going to give you too much information because I do think that you should read it laura you should read it and anybody who is at Noted. all interested in magical fiction um magical realism some sweet relationship building sweet life lessons it's an easy read it's really quick it's really engaging it's you know um i believe it's available in audiobook and in paperback 350 pages or so. So it's pretty good, but yeah, that's, that's my book recommendation. Sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a cool,
1: quirky, weird.
0: It is pretty quirky and cool magic
1: book. That sounds good.
0: Yeah. Put it on my list. Uh, what am I reading?
1: I'm reading, uh, a, a behemoth just wanted to use that word in a sense of a book, uh, called the Priory of the orange tree. Uh, it's funny because the person who rec- I know who recommended your book, which is Jasmine yeah, yeah. Uh, and Jasmine also recommended and like basically like convinced me to pick up the Priory of the Orange Tree yeah. because I'm
0: on the podcast sometime because they yeah. also read a lot of really awesome books. So we'll just read some good books, and give a little review about about some books sometimes. They gave me,
1: uh, actually still have it, Jasmine. I'm going to send it, I'm going to give it back to you soon, but, uh, they gave me a really cool Western book that I really enjoyed. That was like a kind of a novella style. Now that I know what a novella is. Yeah,
0: there you go. Taught me.
1: Jasmine recommended The Priory of the Orange Tree. I picked it up and I gasped a little cause it's 800 pages. Um,
0: oh my gosh. so
1: just disclaimer, I've not finished it. will not be finishing it anytime soon, but When I do, probably next year, I'll let you know what I think. But I can also let you know what I think about the first 60 to 80 pages, which is I think I've gotten like 70 pages in. Um, So far, there's dragons. There's like some rumblings of magic, although it's not like quite dissected yet. Like they don't go into full explanation, but they have explained that at least one character has magic. There's a whole lot of uh, spiritual, like, religious fear. There's, like, a world with, like, you know, multiple different kingdoms. One kingdom is, like, super religious and pious and, like, scared of, like, magic. And the other kingdom is really magic. And then there's oh. a dragon kingdom. So, and then the dragons, there's, like, dragon riders. And there's, you know, we're just getting to the to the very, we're at the beginning of the meat of it. So, um, cool. character-wise... Don't know much. Don't really know much, but it's written by Samantha Shannon. Um, it's 800 pages. It is full on fantasy. Um, I'm nice. very excited to get into it. Do I think yeah. I'll finish? Um, I will try to finish maybe one of us will finish the book. I, you'll probably finish it. I, I, I have would love like a hard to.
0: time not finishing. You know, I was yeah. talking about this with you recently where when I start a book, it's actually really challenging for me to, um, stop halfway through. I just feel mm. it's probably like internalized, um, shame of like, oh, I can't not read this. Shame like shame on you for putting this. a book down. You didn't exactly. like, and I'm like, gosh, Molly, like if you're not enjoying something obviously you do not have to partake. I know a lot of people like that had this book I was reading and I felt like I really had to read it. And because, you know, it was a book that someone recommended to me from when they were young and I just didn't just didn't Mm -hmm. love it. And so I, I got about halfway through and I was like, wow, every single time I pick up this book, I'm like, nope, I don't know. It was a book from a long time ago. Maybe it hadn't been reread in a long time. Yeah. You know, in the. I love
1: when people recommend stuff that they read like 15 years ago and they're like, "Mm, it's one of my favorite. I'm like, you were a different person 15 years ago. How old were you? 12?
0: I've been thinking about starting to read some of my childhood books, actually. Oh, yeah. I I used to, when I was really young, I read a lot of Sarah Dessen. Have you heard of Sarah Oh, oh, yep. I've definitely heard
1: of it. Did she write like a walk to remember? Like, name some titles for me.
0: Someone Like You. Oh, hell yeah. I read that. Okay, yeah. So this actually ties right into, we can talk about movies. This week, I did watch How to Deal, which is... That's the movie version of Sarah Dessen's uh, um, Someone Like You and another book. Um, I can't remember. I think it was Sarah Dessen's first book. Okay. Sarah Dessen writes basic, I'm this girl and I'm really struggling and my parents have to move to philadelphia and i don't want to <laughs> go and but i do and then i meet this guy and oh, he's such a dream boat but he has mm. issues you know or whatever so it's just, just brooding she, love interest she yeah. follows um a journey um and it's like a, she follows a script right but okay let's talk about this movie it's like awesome. our.
1: so Can I, can I just ask, are her characters or Sarah Dustin characters, like, are they people that grow up to be like people that are really, really stoked on Glennon Doyle's like untamed, untamed? Yeah. You know,
0: maybe I was obviously a Sarah Dustin fan and I grew up to be a raging queer. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Good point. Great point. But, okay, continue. You, know, you
0: literally never know. You never know who is going to be um, who, who you are going to to catch to the vibe,
1: just trying to you yeah. know, get the feel for it. I think they it.
0: are definitely like very white, very middle, upper middle class. These books, that able-bodied life, yeah. able-bodied. We don't see a lot of neurodivergence. We don't see a lot of, there's no conversations about alternative lives, air quotes, alternative lifestyles, or, <laughs> you know, like, anything outside of what could be classified as the American dream, whatever. So yes, this movie, let me tell you, it stars Mandy Moore. We've got oh, Mandy Moore in there as the a character. This is back in 2003. So this movie is almost 20 years old.
1: <sighs> 20, I probably haven't 20.
0: seen it since two thousand and
1: three. I definitely haven't watched it since it came out, but I did watch it.
0: Yeah. Alison Janney, plays the Love mom. her. Love right. Allison Janney. I do too. Peter Gallagher's in this. Oh, love he him. Plays the, he plays the dad. Wait, Allison Janney
1: and Peter Gallagher are the parents?
0: Are the parents. They are divorced in this movie, um, uh. but they- still great. The parents it's a pretty funny duo, you know. And this movie is basically just a coming of age story. This young person is she's just learning how to deal with her life, you know, and mm-hmm. how to deal with the fact that her parents are splitting up, how to deal with the fact that, you know, um she's got pimples. Well, no, she literally ha- doesn't. She's perfect in uh, the movie. Of course it's uh, annoying. Movie. It's it's interesting. You know, it doesn't necessarily hold up, but if you're looking for something to like Fold laundry too, or mm, yes, you're, like knitting or doing a craft, and you just mm-hmm. want something really light on in the background. Yeah, this will fill up a, an hour and forty-five minutes to two hours for you. So yeah, some
1: I, I mean some I craft time. It yeah, <laughs> sounds great. I mean that's generally what I do while while I'm watching a movie of that genre, a rom com from the early not the 90s, um, or the aughts. Um, early aughts, but oftentimes I'm usually just I'm to be to be honest I'm I'm usually stoned when I'm watching those movies because it's a little harder to watch them sober. I would watch I would watch again having not seen it since 2003. It's interesting because I watched what would have been a rom com if it was missing like a key piece of its plot. But um, I watched a movie called Coda that was pretty awesome. It came out this year. Um, it's directed by Sian, Sean S-I-A-N. Don't know how to pronounce that. Sean. S-I-A-N.
0: S-I-A-N? Yeah. Yeah, that's Sean.
1: Sean. Mm-hmm. Sean Header or Heater um wrote and directed it. Um and it was based off of a French movie that came out that didn't get as good reviews, but I think Sean or Sion uh redid the movie in like a better way because it was better reviewed this time around. Um, it's about this girl named Ruby who is a shy kid growing up in Gloucester Gloucester Massachusetts near the coast Massachusetts coast coastal city her family um, are fisher people so they are commercial fishermen and have um, sell their fish to like a fishery um, that processes and stuff they're pretty uh, working class um, as is most of the the town that she lives in. And it's the your classic like coming of age story. In that she's got a crush on this boy, so in high school, so she joins choir because he does as her elective. And also she likes to sing, but she's not like she's not a big she's not like singing all the time. But she likes to sing enough, and she likes music, so she joins choir, gets really into it. It's got the typical tough teacher who's like hard on her, and then he realizes she's really good, and he's like, "Oh my god, you're actually good. You can do it." The biggest thing about this movie that kind of blew me away was that. The rest of her family are deaf and they're played by deaf actors. So what kind of seems like a very formulaic, nor- like typical rom-com plot, um, it's not presented in a rom-com-y way. But the thing that's really cool about it is that um, it has a really incredible portrayal of the barriers to you know, the kind of the things that people with disabilities or people who are deaf face on a daily basis because the world is not made for them. And also the du- the duality of having a family member who kind of cares for their family in a really specific way. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of like, she kind of has to grow up fast because, or she's had to because she's always been their interpreter because the town does not have Many deaf people, they're kind of like the only deaf family around. So she's not only like bullied for it kind of, but like, kind of like in a backhanded way, not like a typical Mm. bullying way, but she's kind of standard American
0: ableist way.
1: Exactly. Standard American ableist way. You know, the kids are at school. She's not like a popular kid. Um, mostly because her, her parents and her brother are deaf and they're like, they do their own thing. They're not super like, you know, they don't really associate with the hearing people in town. Um, they have their, their deaf friends and they uh, have their own life, but um, they need her to fish. So she works on the fishing boat before school in the mornings, like wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and works, wow. you know, the morning and then goes to school and does it on the weekends. And so it's a really, really beautiful movie in that it kind of shows it it just shows like their, her relationship with her family, which is also, she's kind of the outcast of her family or the black sheep of her family because she's hearing and they're not. and, and, she has this passion that she develops for music and, you know, they can't hear. And so yeah, it's hard they're kind of like as much with her. Yeah. And they kind of like brush it off or kind of like laugh because when, when, you know, she first comes to them and is like, I joined choir and they're like, why, you know, like that's not right. a part of our family culture. Like we don't do that, you know? And mm-hmm. she's um it's a really interesting kind of exploration of her wanting to pursue her passion, which is like going to college for music and singing um, at Berkeley and her teacher really trying to help her get there. And then her family who at first don't get it. And then through time kind of under begin to understand like how much this, how important it is to her. And um, Mm -hmm. it's also really interesting how she navigates um, wanting to show up for her family and help them, you know, make a living because they're poor um, and she is their kind of like interpreter and they need her um, and also wanting to pursue her own desire as a like 17 year old girl. Um, right. You know, I wonder
0: where, so they fished forever. I wonder what they did before she was old enough to work as their interpreter. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I'm not quite sure like what the there's like that's maybe like one of the plot holes that I can think of.
0: It's interesting that the portrayal is you are, are like one hope, like you, this person who can hear, like are we need you you're relying on. And it's like, yeah, actually people with disabilities can be self-sufficient and they can navigate and, it. And, and yeah, I'm sure that's there too.
1: And I think that it was really interesting, because I do think that the movie did a really good job of per- portraying kind of like the the family's like really strong independence and like mm-hmm. like they don't they don't really need her. it's the the hearing world that makes them need her
0: right exactly because we it's live like in society because right? ex-
1: we live in an yeah. ableist world and it's like it's it's
0: question did they yes. use ASL?
1: yeah, a so the different. thing that I so I'm not explaining this well, but I really liked the movie. Um, a lot of the movie was, so it's subtitled the movie. Um, a lot of the movie is signing. Um,
0: so it's like a very, with subtitles. have a soundtrack or is it a fairly quiet film? It's
1: a fairly quiet film. They do have a cool. soundtrack and it's just the people making, you know, occasional like mouth or, You know hand noises or body noises um and there is you know the music that she's singing and it's really interesting because they oscillate between her perspective and the perspective of her deaf family members so like Mm -hmm. it'll show like her mom's perspective when she's like in a public place and she's not hearing anything but she's like they're obviously taking in a bunch of stuff and like very, very sensory, like it's a really interesting sensory experience for a hearing person because it's putting you in kind of like the movie Sound of Metal, which I love. Um, it really plunges you into the, the a different world that you don't have access to because you're hearing and because you have that privilege um, of hearing. And, you know, it gives you a different perspective, which is really important and helpful to see. And I, it was really beautiful at parts, just her sharing just her and her relationship with her parents, which is complicated, but the, the her parents are great, really funny character uh, actors and like really funny roles that they play. It's the w- w- mom is uh, Jody from the L Word, um, the artist oh, cool. in the L Word, um, and the dad I'm not familiar with, but is I cried like at multiple se- like in multiple scenes, just like of the sweetness oh, of it. Um, you know. So Coda recommend, where can highly you, recommend where can people watch it. So Apple TV and um, I'll give you my password. If you want to ah,
0: yeah, just message it. Laura and Laurel message me for, for my
1: password. I'll share it with yeah, anybody share it with all
0: of our fans that like, I
1: like to do. Oh my God. So, joking, joking. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know where funny. else, but um, hopefully somewhere else you can watch it too. Yeah. What TV have you watched?
0: About, well, I have been watching some shows this week. Okay. So, I grew up and my, my mom was a big fan of sex in the city when I was mm-hmm. young. Right. And so mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I, I used to tag along and watch that show with her. And so when I was in high school and early college, it was also a show that I would, you know, watch or an episode would be on and I would watch it. And so I enjoyed doing that when I was young. And when I saw that they were doing the reboot, I was like, oh my gosh, you're like kidding me. It's either going to be terrible or only sort of terrible and
1: it's wait they're doing a reboot of the show
0: yes they're doing a reboot of sex in the city okay i don't know why i sound so
1: surprised i haven't seen the show i've seen like maybe a full i've seen like five full episodes of the show but all from different seasons when i'll be like what my roommate at the time would be watching but that's surprising to me because it was such a beloved show that they're doing a reboot like now i mean
0: so this this show came out in 1998 Okay. And I think mm, it what, ran yeah. for how many seasons, seven, six or seven. Um, wow. There are six seasons, 98, 99. So like 2004, it's problematic. The The first run of Sex and the City. You yeah. know, there's like, what do you expect? Do you have these four rich white ladies, rich white ladies, upper class, all living in Manhattan. They're all, you know, societally beautiful, small bodied, all able bodied. We don't ever talk about that either. We never talk about, um, size, class money, how jobs, employment, walking into the second one, I was like, okay, I wonder how they're going to do this. And this is kind of something that we've seen a little bit of here, right? These shows that aired long time ago, early 2000s, kind of trying to come back nowadays and maybe air quotes right their wrongs. So yeah. this time around, it's okay. It's fine. We have- <laughs> So we've got some queer representation we have a lot mm. more people of color we have a lot of really amazing black women who um step into the like step into the, the friend circle and mm-hmm. have really amazing like roles um you know it's still that are not really just centered. like supporting
1: white li- lady roles I or mean, like they still they-
0: like eighty standalone no they're like 80% supporting our main three white women 20% mm-hmm. have their own thing going on mm-hmm. so we have a long way to come yes obviously. right right um there's one non-binary um character what <laughs> oh Sarah oh. Ramirez oh oh no yeah I know Sarah Ramirez did
1: not know yeah. that they're non-binary so,
0: Sarah Ramirez is yeah just came out as non-binary recently I think within the last year Um, They're awesome. And they do a really good job on the show. They play a radio DJ host and kind of motivational queer speaker who speaks out about what it's like to come out as non-binary, what as an adult, you know, what it's like to navigate family and I'm not really sure how autobiographical the character is but mm-hmm. when Sarah is playing this part the name of the character is Che Diaz when they're playing the part it does feel it feels really authentic they do a really good job and maybe one of the highlights from the show um, cool. one thing that's really interesting is that uh, Kim Cattrall who played Samantha in the first round was yeah. not in it at all is She a, is she alive is she still okay. alive? <laughs> yeah. There's been like a lot of rumors in this show that, that she's dead, but she's not. The actress is alive and so is the character, Samantha. Oh, but there's oh. It's been this weird tale that she's like in London. And she had a falling out with Carrie and-
1: Oh, that's always oh. bullshit. You're just like, sense. it's like, just kill off the like, character because we all know that that's not- than- I
0: mean, maybe that's a mean thing to say, but I would rather <laughs> the character be no longer with us than have that- Brutal. Like bullshit story. <laughs> I always think it's so dumb when in order- to to further the plot plot together and then Samantha will air quote send a text message and then Carrie will read it and the audience just supposed to believe that no
1: they show her they show her reading text messages from Kim Cattrall's character what
0: yeah okay so that is a weird thing that happens I mean and I guess that the real life tea is that Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall are not buds Sarah Jessica Parker is like I think an executive producer on this show and of course she is but She's like not on my watch match. not on my show Uh uh-uh. Uh uh-uh. okay, so here's a really funny aside is that mm-hmm. the you know how i met your mother is coming out with another show that's like same thing but it's really? how i met your father yeah never
1: seen either okay
0: but- i mean well ugh, of course like, literally, same kind of deal. All these people living in New York City, white folks working their jobs and like affording apartments, whatever, you know. So
1: it's like, it's tw- 20s or 30s, like age bracket. Um, early yeah, 30s, late 20s, okay. early 30s. Is it like yeah. a replacement for Friends, like a nowadays Friends?
0: Yep. That's the same basic principle. It's just okay. your average sitcom. Um, definitely a little bit more, I think, depth than some of like the HBO shows that we were talking about. Like, yeah. I think that even though and just like that is real basic, there's a little bit more depth and a little bit more conversation about stuff that's happening. Um, But the funny thing is that on How I Met Your Father, Kim Cottrell plays the- Who is like in the future, the eventual mother who's like telling this story to her college aged kids. So she's basically the narrator of the whole show. And I'm like, oh my God, how funny. Fine. You don't ask me to be on the Sex and the City reboot. I'm going to do this sitcom instead. And maybe this is just me not following Kim Cattrall's career very closely. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting to me that Kim Cattrall would be in Sex and the City. And then I haven't really seen her in much of anything since then. And now they're doing, I don't know, but now they're doing a reboot of Sex and the City and Kim Cattrall's not in it. So now she's in another show. And I'm like, I haven't seen you forever. And the minute you're not in the Sex and the City reboot, you have to take on this other role. Yeah. I don't know that's on HBO. So if you have HBO, um, you can watch it on that. If you have Netflix, you can watch how I met your father, but okay. I, don't know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend, but if you want something that's trashy that you can complain about, maybe that's a great show for you. Okay. Um, I know Laura, you didn't really watch much TV this week. You were on a movie kick. So you want to talk a little bit kick. about another movie?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I watched, I had a little movie marathon with myself yesterday, which was real nice. Um, just the mood struck and I went for a Sunday
0: movie marathon.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, I watched, so I watched Coda, um, which, um, was really nice. And then I looked up a bunch of trivia and was like, oh my God, she took ASL lessons for nine months and learned how to speak ASL for that movie. Oh my God, she learned how to cool. fish for that movie. Cool, that was the main character. Anyways, and then I did uh, looked up this other movie called Binti, which I had read a New York Times review about that they it was on a list of like best international films that had come out recently. So I read about Binti a little bit and then I watched Binti um, and Binti was great. It was super super interesting in that it's basically a kids movie but it's belgian so the movie is in belgian um with subtitles uh it's on i think it's on amazon prime i don't remember how i watched it but i think that was it but yeah so bindi is a you get introduced to her and she's a making videos for her YouTube channel. She's got like a YouTube channel and she's like trying to get more followers on it. She's like super into vlogging and she's got like a bunch of, she's a kind of like a big fangirl of this like famous Belgian vlogger. And she's like talks about her all the time. She really likes her. So you like kind of get introduced to her while she's as a part of like you watching her vlogs. And then like, as you go on in the story, you kind of really in the movie, you realize that she lives in an apartment building with a bunch of refugees and immigrants um, who don't have documentation. And her dad, she's got a single parent uh, dad is, um, they're originally from uh, Congo. And uh, she kind of notably says like, I can't, like, I don't have papers. But I can't go back to the Congo cause I don't even speak the language. I don't even speak Swahili. Oh wait. I don't even mm-hmm. speak the other languages that they speak there. You know, she's like, she doesn't really know yeah. very much about Congo. Um, she's, fully, you know, Belgian. She's been in Bel- Belgium most of her life since babyhood. Um, and mm-hmm. she doesn't want to leave, but she's very acutely aware that she's not she might really not do at
0: any time. She
1: might have to at any time. So the movie kind of, as it progresses, it kind of shows that, um, their apartment complex gets raided, um, by the police and they, her and her dad like run and they end up in this kind of like outskirts of town, forested place which kind of butts up to some people's properties and um she like of course there's like a storm that happens and so it's like rainy so she climbs into this tree house um because she loses her dad she's like the whole time vlogging she's like you know she's like we oh, had to run now we're in a forest blah blah, blah. and she's like kind oh of gosh, you know, wow. she's wow. such an
0: infectious like, like 22 much
1: <laughs> yeah i know right um it's like this is this is the youth now this is what they do um but i thought. One of the things I really liked about the movie uh, and I'll finish explaining what happens in brief and more briefly, but one of the things I really liked about it was just that they, this actress, this, this girl is so good. She's, She's so charismatic and funny and. It's just, like, you're having a good time watching her the whole time. You just want to hang out with her and keep, like, hanging out with her. Like, she's awesome. So she climbs into this treehouse, and turns out, like, this little boy is in there. And he's like, what are you doing here? This is my treehouse. And she's like, oh, hi. Like, blah, blah, blah. And she's kind of trying to, like, stay there with him because she's, like, doesn't, she's, like, I don't know where my dad is. And he's like, okay. Uh, And he's, like, a really kind of shy, kind of scrawny conservationist kid and, um, you know, upper middle class, like, white kid. And, you know, she's, like her. And they kind of strike up like this conversation at first, he's kind of like skeptical of her and she's kind of skeptical of him. And then they kind of become buds. And like, this is in like the hour where like her dad has been like looking for her. And then finally her dad finds her in this treehouse, And he's like, we got to go, like, we got to get going. And of course, by that time, the kid's mom, the little boy's mom has come out. And so it's kind of a story that unfolds about how this Belgian kid and his mom and this Congolese girl and her dad um, strike up like a friendship, uh, and how they kind of interact with each other. They wind up staying with the kid and his mom. Uh, wow. It's very like it's very interesting because in some ways it's very like storybook ending. Like the I won't tell you what happens, but you know the dad and the mom are like you know may, maybe possibly interested in each other. I won't tell you any more than that. And wow. the kid and her become best friends and um all that, but. What's interesting is their portrayal of um, what it's like to be an undocumented immigrant who's terrified of getting deported, like the, that theme is so strong, but it's like a kid's movie. So you're really acutely aware of it, but from the perspective of a 12 year old or like a wow. younger kid. Super interesting. I think this is one of those movies where if you're looking for like a kid's movie, that's really thought provoking, but that's like also like lighthearted and like really like, Mm -hmm. oh, like this is actually a really good movie. I was saying to uh, Janine, like I was like, this is a movie that I would want to show my kids like when they're growing up, like as a way of kind of explaining to them what it's like to be undocumented, because a lot of people don't understand what like the real issues that come with being undocumented, um, especially as kids, like kids oh my god, have a hard yeah. time understanding that. And so this movie is a really, really good portrayal of what it's like and of the, all the happiness and all the, the hard things. And um, I just want to really quickly read a quote that it kind of hit, hit, hit me when I was watching it. Um, she's like talking about, you know, stuff with um, a, a friend and she, she says, um, dad says, if you don't have immigration papers, you're alive, but you don't exist. And I thought that that was so true. It's like on paper, you don't exist. And so therefore, like you're living, but you're in this kind of like liminal space of not being allowed to do so many things and not having access to opportunities that other people like even going to the doctor and like basic yeah. stuff that it's just like, and, you know, a huge amount of people are undocumented. And yeah, it, immigration is such a hot button issue. And it's just like, it's, we forget like, they, at what the a, end of
0: the day it's not just immigration status or not or whatever it's we kind of forget that these, these are, are people. people with parents lives dreams goals hobbies like vlogging, and yeah and honestly it's frustrating to live in societies where um people are a commodity and people mm-hmm. are profit and um and how can we make money off of you? And mm-hmm. not only I think are, especially in this country, not only are immigrants completely exploited um, for their labor and their workforce, but they're incredibly yeah. exploited by it's like, you're saying if they do need to go to a doctor, then it's without health insurance, it's astronomical prices, so right? Expensive. And, that's yeah. exploitation. and in order to do get drive a car, if they get a ticket for not having a license, that's a huge exorbitant cost so it's
1: and the sheer amount of paperwork that like there's so many barriers to like even like filing things with like the irs or like fi- with any governmental organization like has the most like asinine paperwork that's like pages and pages and pages where it's like if it's not your first language even if it oh is God. your first language it's so difficult to fill out so right. being a Being an immigrant and navigating like the bureaucracy of the world is so challenging when you're learning a new language and when you don't know the customs of the country yet.
0: Or I think that there is a great number of people who um, are native English speakers who probably struggle with the hundred percent the language on those forms because absolutely it's elitist and it's you know yeah
1: it's it's garbage it's all garbage i mean
0: what's the yeah it's garbage we could go on Um, on about that but that's not necessarily what this podcast is about nope
1: that's not what this podcast is about but you know what this uh what's not garbage is this movie highly recommend watching it loved binti it's on maybe prime not sure um i forget the name of the writer director but it's the same person wrote and directed it and she's a good I, I like how she made this movie and I like the and pacing this, is really fast paced and interesting. Is, and
0: is this um, another the, one that we have subtitles for or it's another
1: subtitled movie. Okay. So if you're not into subtitles, this, my reviews this week won't be for you. Um, you I have
0: to stick with how I met your father and how to deal.
1: Oh boy. Oh joy. Oh boy. <laughs> Get
0: ready for a great week.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I will say about just to wrap up on this movie is that It'll make you but think make in you a, a think. good way.
0: I love that. Yeah. That's great. We sounds like we got some pretty decent reviews in there. Um, I'm super excited to. Take do it again. To do it again. Thank you to all of our dedicated fans and listeners. Thanks to our fans. Don't forget to like, and subscribe on Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at somewhat decent reviews. We are at um, on Gmail somewhat decent reviews at gmail.com it's pretty easy to remember y'all so we'll be looking at our inboxes waiting to see all those reviews slide in
1: but uh message one and only message from meg that we'll get
0: love you thank you for tuning in to somewhat decent reviews we are your hosts laura and molly catch you next week